Hey, Property Insiders, I'm Mike Stenhouse. This is the Inside Property Investing Podcast, and you're in the right place if you're an active or aspiring property investor looking to grow your portfolio and build a business that works for you. I'm here to help you through advice and inspiration from our own growth over the past decade and from hundreds of interviews with other inspiring investors. Now, whilst we're not actively sourcing any deals at the moment in our own portfolio, and that's nothing to do with the market conditions, but more from a desire to focus our energy on progressing our current projects as quickly as possible. We made that decision for this quarter. You probably know we plan our year out in 90-day sprints. And for quarter three, one of the things that we took off the table was deal sourcing so that we've got more time to focus on project management and progressing the existing pipeline. But I know a lot of our listeners, and maybe you as well, are looking to find your next deal in the near future. And as the market continues to evolve, there will be some good opportunities to be had. In fact, what I'm talking about today, three deals to follow up on. I mentioned these three types of deals right back at the start of the year in an email I sent to our newsletter subscribers on January 11th. I went back and checked. But the circumstances that led to these opportunities, these three types of deals that I thought were worth following up on, what, seven, eight months ago, have only strengthened. So I want to dig into them a little bit more today and let this serve as a reminder in case you're struggling with your sourcing activities. And maybe you didn't see that email first time around back in January, or maybe you forgot about these potential sources that I shared at the start of the year. And if you are listening to this and thinking, yeah, I remember that email. I did one of the things you suggested. We actually got an offer accepted. Please let me know. I would love to discuss it with you. Or if you take the advice today and you go out and get an offer accepted, again, let me know. I guarantee that there are deals to be done from these three sources. We use all three options to source deals for our own portfolio fairly regularly. On the other hand, if you're listening to this and thinking, Yeah, geez, I remember that email, but I forgot to take action. I put it on my to-do list to follow up on, but I never got around to it. Or actually, it's still sitting in my overflowing inbox. It might be that your top priority should be improving your personal productivity levels before you worry about sourcing your next deal. Trust me, I know that feeling, the endless to-do list, the fact that no matter how many hours you work, you never seem to get enough done. Or that you can't take a week a day or even a night off without feeling the need to check in on emails and see what's going on in your business. And I know that feeling because that was me before I finally took the time to sort our business out, to get systems and processes in place that increase our effectiveness and our productivity, to get more done in less time and to know that it's the highest priority and the highest value stuff that's actually getting done by me and by our team. And if you want help going from busy chaos to a calmer and more successful life, then remember this weekend, this Sunday, I'm hosting a masterclass to show you what has had the biggest impact on my business and how you can implement those same steps, systems, processes, and tools in your own business to make some calm out of that chaos. I would love to see you there and help you out with this. It's only £99 and you can register at insidepropertyinvesting.com forward slash productivity. You can also find it on social media linked to from our Instagram bio. It'll be in emails that we're sending out this week. So plenty of ways to find that link. But if that is you, 
guarantee we can help you out and I guarantee it will be a great investment for you. So I'd love to see you there. But that's it. Let's jump into today's episode. So sourcing deals is pretty much the first stage of the investment process, right? If we can't find a project, it kind of throws the rest of our investment plans out the window. But with the market being as hot as it has been, not just for the last year, but probably 18 months or even two years now, finding anything of interest where the numbers make sense has been more of a struggle than usual. I get it. Two comments on this, though, to get us started before I dig into the three types of deals that I want you to follow up on. First, I get asked this a lot. Is now a good time to be buying? My genuine belief is that, yes, you will do better by buying consistently, slow and steady over the long term than by trying to beat the market. There are always deals to be done in any market. I'm not suggesting you need to go out and pay top dollar for something right now when there is all this talk of recession on the horizon. There could very well be a dip in prices in the near future. But that doesn't mean that there aren't still good deals to be done if you are out there looking. And whilst everyone else is maybe starting to think, oh, I don't know if I want to be buying just now and taking their foot off the gas a little bit, there will be motivated sellers. There will be unpopular niches in your local area, perhaps specific locations that are unpopular because there's some major development work going on that's going to be finished in 12 or 18 months but is putting off buyers just now. Maybe there's specific types of houses or types of property that are unpopular or less popular than uh, than others. Perhaps there are different use classes or sizes of houses. One example I always give is, uh, you know, if you go on Rightmove and look for six plus bedroom houses, usually there aren't a huge amount of buyers for them, but they're a great opportunity for conversion into large HMOs, multiple apartments, all that sort of stuff. So there will always be good opportunities. And another example I always give is bad marketing. Estate agents don't always get it right. Vendors don't always pick the right estate agent. So there are plenty of examples. I'm not going to dig in the, into them today, but anyone who's been on one of our open days will hear me talking about this and giving examples of where we have secured deals. And often we, we open up the, the laptop and go on Rightmove and find examples of this there and then of badly marketed properties that are otherwise a great investment, but just nobody is finding them. So there are always deals to be done in any market. And although I said in the intro, we're not actively looking this quarter, we absolutely will be looking to buy something else before the end of this year. And we don't really pay too much attention to what's going on at a macro level. We're buying things at the right price, constantly slow and steady. And that will always on average outperform being able to try and call the market. So that's the first thing I want to say. Second thing, more importantly, some good news. The market is starting to soften. Sellers are starting to get a little nervous that they've missed the boat with all the talk of the recession that's coming. And typically it's quite a quiet time of year with summer holidays as well. I pulled some stats from Rightmove. They do a, a really good sort of roundup of the market. They've obviously got a huge amount of data uh, and some of the latest data that they've released First of all, listing prices have dropped for the first time this year. Now, it's only a small drop, 1.3%, but that's the first time that prices month on month have been lower uh, than they have been at any other time this year. So that's a positive step. Second, buyer inquiries are down. So the number of buyers who are reaching out to estate agents through Rightmove, uh, th those inquiries are down 4% versus this time last year. So 4% less buyers effectively 
in the market. Third thing, and this combined with the drop in buyer inquiries is starting to sound positive, new listings are up 12%. So there are 12% more properties on the market now, 4% less buyers, supply increasing, demand reducing, we all know what that means. And then the fourth thing that I thought was interesting, obviously we all know that interest rates um, have gone up, but this is the first time that interest rates have pushed the average mortgage payment for homeowners above £1,000 a month. That's based on a 10% deposit and I guess like the average purchase price in the UK. So it's not going to be the case in every area, but it's the first time we've been into that £1,000 plus mark for the average mortgage payment for owner occupiers, for homeowners. That's obviously going to start stretching affordability more and more. Fewer buyers, more renters, all good signs for long-term investment property. So generally, the market is starting to look more favorable for buyers and will probably continue to do so month on month as we progress. But there's no denying the fact things are still tough. So what can we do to improve our odds of finding a good deal? Well, I believe that following up on these three types of deals is a good place to start. First type I want you to think about are the sorry we've received a higher offer deal. That's the estate agent saying that to you. You've been to view something, maybe you didn't even get the chance to view it. But the estate agent's come back, sorry, that's sold already, we've received a higher offer, it's gone. Staple throughout 2021 and absolutely a staple through the first half of this year as well. Very active market. Things were selling within 24 hours, things were selling before you could view and often things were selling for well over asking price. A difficult market as an investor to operate in. But there is a positive to this. A lot of those offers were made in haste. They were made in the heat of the moment. They were offered by families who were fed up of missing out on other houses that they'd been see, or they were made by investors who were keen to secure their next project. The numbers often didn't make sense as a result of that. They were buying with their heart rather than their head. And then one of a number of things would happen. Maybe they couldn't qualify for that level of finance. Maybe it was downvalued when it got to survey stage. Or maybe they just realized after a good night's sleep that the numbers didn't actually make sense based on what they had offered. And now the positive side of this is that we see more and more of these deals returning to the market. But because they're returning to the market, as in the deal has fallen through, the vendor has pulled out or they've not been able to get finance. The buyer, sorry, has pulled out or has not been able to get finance. Because of that, the vendor has lost months of time. They're probably more nervous now about being able to resell with all this talk of recession. And maybe they need to sell at a realistic price now to continue with whatever other plans they were working towards, whether that was an onward purchase or... You know, who knows what it might be? They were needing to relocate for work, but they probably had in their head spent that money already on their next house, on relocating, on retirement, on whatever it might be. So they are now more motivated to sell than they would have been because of all of these factors. So if there was something that you were looking at er earlier in this year, uh, a couple of months ago, right back, I mean, some of these... Uh, Purchases with delays, with surveys and conveyancing, you know, they could be six months in conveyancing before they, they fall out of bed. Don't wait for them to come back on the market. By that point, it's possibly too late. Follow up on these deals at least once a month with the agent until either the deal completes, the deal falls through and you're there first in line, or the agent stops responding to you because they're fed up with you. 
but I'm sure, or at least I'm hopeful, that you have got a list, an Excel sheet, some form of tracking for the deals that you've been to view, the ones that met your criteria, were it not for being outbid or overpriced. So they're the ones that I want you to be going back to the agents on and just asking for an update. Is this still progressing? Is the vendor still happy? Are they considering putting it back on the market? Is the uh, buyer able to get finance on it? And make sure that you are top of mind. You want to be able to snag that between the deal collapsing and the property being relisted. So keeping in touch with the agent reminds them that you're still interested, reminds them that you're a committed buyer who will get the deal done. You're proactive. And when that deal falls out of bed, you can jump in there and get things completed quickly. So that's the first type of deal I want you to follow up on. Go back through your list of deals that you've been to view, you've appraised, you were happy with if you could have got it for the right price and see how those projects are progressing through conveyancing. Second type of deal are the, we'll stick it in auction and see what happens deals. A lot of optimistic vendors over the last 18 months thinking that they can stick something in auction, make a quick buck and uh, happy days. Don't need to do any renovation works, don't need to secure planning permission. It's a hot market. Hey, let's stick it in auction and make 20%, 30%, 50% without even having to go into the property. We considered that with one of our deals. Uh, Flora Street, we put in the auction to see if we could make a quick buck on. Now, our plan B was to build it out, but there will be a lot of people whose plan B wasn't really existent, and they're now thinking, ooh, that didn't sell. What do I do, do next? Now, we're big fans of buying auction properties personally, but rarely in fact i don't think there's a single example of this have we actually bought a property through auction by bidding in the room where we do buy auction properties are either before the auction or even more favorably after auction unsold lots so properties that haven't sold at auction they've been listed but they haven't sold give you more time to complete due diligence a lot of that time pressure has gone and they put you in a much stronger position to negotiate price and terms compared to bidding against others at the auction. Before auction, it's always in the vendor's favor. There's a lot of optimism and they assume that it's going to sell above their reserve price. But after auction, well, the market has spoken and it's not worth what they thought it was. So that puts you in a good position. But if you're sitting there thinking, well, yeah, that's fine. I get that logic, but actually are there that many unsold lots for us to go and follow up on? Yeah, tons. So EIG, um, what does EIG stand for again? Estates, no, Essential Information Group. Uh, they basically compile pretty much all of the auction listings across the UK, and they also report on a lot of the data from auction sales. Across the market in July, they saw 73% of auction listings actually sell at auction. So 73% in July sold. Properties that were listed sold. Auction House Northwest, which is one of the big auction houses where we operate in the northwest of England, they had a 56% sale rate in their July auction. So roughly three out of every 10, four out of every 10 properties that are listed at auction aren't selling. That's worth thinking about. 30 to 40% of properties that are listed at auction aren't selling. These are property owners who wanted to sell, who may have chosen the auction route because they thought it would result in a quick sale. So maybe there's some motivation there. They wanted a quick result. Or at least they wanted the certainty of sale that auctions give. And they're property owners who haven't got the results that they were looking for. So again, 
very motivated set of individuals and a good pool, 30 to 40% of all auction listings not selling, that's a good pool of people to follow up with and that certainly smells like a good opportunity to me. And the third thing I want to touch on, the third type of deal to follow up on, the that would be perfect if only it was for sale instead of to rent. How many of these do we see when we're driving along, browsing through right move, properties to rent that you think, oh, if only they'd sell that, that would make a great renovation, a great flip, a great HMO, whatever. It's usually a better option for commercial property, absolutely. But it can work with residential deals as well. The reason I say it works better for commercial property is typically anyone renting a commercial property is coming at it from more of an investor mindset. And if the property isn't renting, it's going to be costing them money every month. They will probably have business rates liability. They will be paying standing charges on their uh, utilities. They may have uh, vacant property insurance that's uh, not being paid, typically commercial property, the insurance would be paid by the tenant. So lots of costs that commercial property owners are paying. It can work in the residential market, but typically resi investors, they're, well, A, the market is a lot more active. So chances of resi property staying on the market for a long time is less. Although, I mean, if you think about it, this is where a lot of rent to renters get their deal from, right? So there's their, their deals from. So there's definitely some scope here, but we see this more in the commercial space. Um, and then, if these properties that aren't renting, they're costing the owners money every month, you probably see a way to increase the value beyond its current use. So typically commercial to residential conversions or maybe just sprucing up the commercial space so it appeals to a wider range of commercial tenants or changing the use to another commercial use. The owner might be willing to consider a sale. It might happen immediately. They might think, yeah, you know what? I kind of thought about renting it, but I'd happily sell it as well. And you often see this as well with commercial property. To let may sell or for sale may let. So it could happen in the short term, but more likely it will require some persistence on your part. Now, to give you an example of this, one of my favorite purchases started from an advert to rent a vacant first floor office. That had zero interest to us, but it still caught my eye because we were driving past. I spotted the building, saw a board, I didn't realize at the time that it was just to rent. Tap Victoria on the arm, said excitedly to her, oh, look, 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 a board, a board, that property looks interesting. The dogs pick the best moments to start barking, but where was I? I think I was excitedly tapping Victoria on the arm as we were driving past to say, look, 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 a board's up. And then realizing, oh, it's only to rent, it's only the first floor office. But whilst that didn't have any interest to us, as it was, what did interest us was the prospect of buying the whole building and the potential for airspace development that that property had as well. Now, this took six months of following up with the agent. Okay, we know it's only to rent, but would they consider selling? First time, no. Second time, no. Third time, no. Fourth time, mm, maybe. And then the owner decided that selling to us was a better option than hanging on to the vacant office that was costing them money every month with business rates, standing charges on the utilities, the insurance and all that stuff. Instead of what they thought was gonna happen, which was making them money, it was costing them money. So that property, yes, it took a while, but if you saw something that was to rent and it's still to rent, it's absolutely worth that follow-up. 
With this one in particular, we kept the ground floor tenant. So there was a barber shop in there. They're still there. They paid us rent all through us renovating the upper floors, which was great. And we converted that office that was to rent into a two bedroom flat. And we added an additional story to create another one bedroom flat. So there are my three suggestions for deals to follow up on. The ones that you really liked, but were outbid by an overzealous buyer, which have got a good chance of falling over at some stage of the buying process. The auction properties that failed to sell and the properties listed to rent, but are sticking on the market. And these deals are all out there, hiding in plain sight. I encourage you to go back and take a closer look at some of the deals you might think were missed opportunities and see what can be done to breathe some life back into them. And like I said at the start, let me know if you've managed to work your magic on any deals that you missed out on first time around. I would love to discuss it with you, maybe even get you on the podcast to have a chat through how you were able to do that. And remember, if you're listening to this, if you're stressed out, if your to-do list is a never-ending list that you can't seem to get to the bottom of, then the masterclass that we are running this weekend is perfect for you. You can find out all the details at insightpropertyinvesting.com forward slash productivity or send me a message if you want to discuss it. If you've got any questions, you want to find out whether or not it's right for you. But that's insidepropertyinvesting.com forward slash productivity. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you got a tip out of it that you can go away and apply to your own business. And I hope you join me next week for our next episode. But until then, thanks for listening. Speak to you soon.